Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Arganissima, New York. to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, uh, another climb to your prime with Dr. Heim, all the way straight up from Australia with your host, Hurricane H. Dr. Heim, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Hurricane. How are you? Oh, I am terrific. I had been looking forward to this. I know we pushed it about a week. Um, I had a little, to take a little R&R time, so <laughs> I'm back. And good. I hope your holiday was great. Uh, it was just relaxing. That was the best thing. You know, you can't you can't get anything better than that. You know, sometimes we need to uh, just relax and decompress and get re refreshed again. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Heim, this is your session. This is a, a live session and we can talk to people. Hopefully uh, people can call us at 848-482-8052. And we have questions that we've uh, received from folks. And so um, I guess without any further ado, uh, I will start with the number one question I have on the list. Are we okay with that? We're okay. We're okay to go. All right. So uh, I guess this is a pretty basic one from Matt. Uh, the question is, what are the main warning signs of someone having a mental breakdown? <laughs> I'm sorry I laughed, but, but, you know, it sounds pretty basic, but I'm sure that's a pretty deep discussion right there. <laughs> it will uh, take yeah, an hour. It actually, is deep, it actually is a deep discussion because I know what Matt's asking. Uh, Matt actually knows the sign. You get anxious, you get stressed, you get low, you start having suicide thoughts. But the question is, at what point do you do what, right? So uh, obviously, if, if your life is in danger, if, if you're finding yourself actively suicidal, you need help. We need to save your life. And that's when you need to go and see somebody. Um, but what happens along the way? Because we actually don't want people to get to that stage in the first place. And so when you notice that you're just a bit different than you normally are, uh, and by that, I mean, your mood is down, you're a bit more anxious, your thoughts are a bit more paranoid, and people around you are noticing behavior change, uh, changes. That's the time to take a bit of stock and going, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? Am I under particular stress? And then the first question is, what can I do about it? Uh, do I need to take some time off? Do I just need to sit by a river? Do I just need to sit with a good book? Do I just need to think? Do I just need to have a good meal? Do I need to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep? Then when it's getting to the stage when people are really concerned about you, always listen to the people around you because people around you care for you and they will let you know when there's something going wrong because it's not just for you that you're around, it's also for the other people. So if somebody says, hey, I'm really concerned, please listen and listen to what that person thinks that you need to do. You may need to see a doctor, you may need to take some time off, you may need to sit and have a chat, you may need to make a phone call. But before all of that, and this is where I drag it into my area, Hurricane, is we're into preventative mental health. We're into seeing what we can do before we get to that stage. Because you know what, during this pandemic, we are all carrying an extra 20 kilos of anxiety and another dollop or two of depression, sorry to say. And because of that, we do have to watch it. So Matt, thanks for the question. Well, thank you, doctor. And actually great insights. And it's funny because the you mentioned about the, the anxiety from the lockdown and the pandemic. The, the next question from Sam from California literally touches right onto that and says, what are the psychological effects of the pandemic during the lockdown? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam, this is, this is huge because we are in lockdowns because we want to do all that we can for our health. 
but there's a cost to that. And the cost is actually to our mental health. And I suppose uh, what we do in psychiatry is we see that if there's something wrong with the physical body, that has to be taken care of first. Uh, it's, it's no use treating somebody's depression while they're having a heart attack, right? You don't look at somebody's anxiety while they're bleeding. So you don't look at somebody's mental health when there's an illness going around that is making people very sick and is killing people. So yeah, the pandemic comes first. But the lockdowns that we have put ourselves in to, um, to overcome this pandemic is costing our mental health. And this is what I find really interesting, Hurricane. It's costing us a lot more than we expected. So in other words, we are now living in an age of hyper-individualism where we're all on this planet together, but we're kind of living it all ourselves. But what this pandemic has taught us is when we go in isolation, we miss the people around us. We miss our friends, we miss our family, we miss touch, we miss hugs, we miss looking at people face to face. We even miss just being able to have that possibility, even if sometimes we can't do it. So in other words, we used to take that for granted. And the cost has actually been enormous. And it's a very strange thing, Hurricane, because there's been a few uh, studies come out of Scandinavian countries that has shown that the uh, suicide rate has actually come down during the pandemic. Um, and I just don't believe the studies or it was just on a population that uh, were protected in that, perhaps in Scandinavia, they're all enjoying themselves, cuddling up in front of a fire with a candle on and having a nice warm soup. Whereas a lot of us are, um, are actually isolated, we're by ourselves, we're not talking to people. So in that situation, the anecdotal evidence and the actual evidence coming out has shown that anxiety, depression and suicide are on the way up. So the real cost, Sam, to the isolation is anxiety, depression, more addictions because people are trying to cope and unfortunately, more suicides. Thank you, doctor. And, and, and frankly, I mean, I think what one of the main problems here is that, that nobody expected the lockdown to, to stay long and to take that long. And I think also nobody thought about like real lockdowns, like again, case of yes. Australia, for example, yes. uh, it's, it, and a lot of countries, yes. they open, they close, they open, they close. And so people yes. are just going crazy. And California also has been, I guess, hit hard. I mean, they probably had one of the longest, I think, lockdowns in the U.S., yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's been, uh, you know, a real tough pill to swallow. And and you're right. It's, uh, it's, we all experience it and it yes. depends how we deal with it individually. And if some yes. people are closer with family, some people yes. have friends, Zoom has been a great thing and other platforms that I mean, you know, people are talking to each other, at least you're visually, you know, they're, they're having some discussions. Uh, but some people have literally been, you know, completely shut down. Uh, and that is a, a serious thing. I know we've mentioned some of that before in previous shows, but, you know, again, um, thank you for the, the uh, insights on that. Um, and uh, hopefully Sam had her answer. <laughs> yeah. oh, so, um, all right. So that takes us to the next question uh, from Mark. Uh, Florida. Um, it ties in again uh, to, to the current status. Why is it that people are so divided about the vaccine subject? Uh, is it fear, mistrust, or ignorance? Uh, so doctor, I mean, I'm just going to add something here. I know yeah. when I read that question, I, I was literally like, you know, I, it's an interesting question because that is really uh, the next thing that we're dealing with right now. So yeah. vaccine or vaccine, uh, in some social platforms, TikTok, I mean, it's like a, an ongoing fight and people almost yes, are getting hating each other now. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's creating a psychological effect that, you know, I don't think I've thought about it in terms of like it could even happen where people are, you know, hurting each other verbally, even yes. abusing and bullying each other here. Yes. Uh, and both sides of, of the spectrum. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the TikToks out there, but they're crazy. So so what, what will we tell yeah. Mark here? <laughs> okay. All right, so let me tie this into the last question because um, lockdowns have been a real problem. Um, the vaccines offer us a way out of a lockdown because every society on earth has to find a solution that doesn't include lockdowns uh, because the, uh, the risk of a lockdown is going to get too high. So 
Uh, if we can get enough of the population vaccinated, and this is the question that we're working with in Australia at the moment, then we can get rid of the lockdowns and we can get back to our life, albeit COVID will be there. All right, so how do we end up in a situation where we've got science saying this, a lot of people believing this, and a lot of people distrusting that? Well, the first thing is we've never had vaccines be part of social media before. Now, most people have vaccinated children for things like measles, mumps, rubella, tetanus, pertussis, a, a whole lot of different things. And nobody has trawled through the internet to look at the evidence for all of these vaccines because that all started in a previous age when we trusted the science, when we trusted the medics, and we trusted that vaccines is the best way to eradicate certain diseases. And Hurricane, just, just here I've got to say, if there's one thing that medical science has done well, it's vaccines. Uh, we have just overwhelming evidence that it works. However, everything is at a cost. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that all the vaccines that I mentioned there before came at a very small cost, right? So one of the costs is if you, if you jab a, a baby in the thigh with a vaccine, it's going to hurt and the baby's going to cry. That's a small cost, right? Uh, there are larger costs. Some babies, toddlers may end up getting very sick and the incidence is very, very small. It gets to be one in 4 million that has an adverse neurological event due to a certain vaccine. And right there, I've got to talk about the difference between an individual basis and a population basis. Vaccines work when we look at the population level. When everybody's into this, all of us do well. But the trouble is you're going to get a very small amount of people, one in four million, uh, and I'm talking about uh, rates of autism after uh, certain vaccines when people are very young, and even that is a debated um, a question in science. But the cost to an individual, if you're the family that gets that adverse effect, you're carrying a huge cost. So for that individual, they are carrying the cost for the benefit of a whole society. Now, if we wind forward to our present day, where we're all living a very individual life, we like our individuality. And so we see life from the point of view of an individual. And so the question of what's the benefit to me of this particular vaccine, the benefit is not as great as it is to the whole population. And then people say, well, what's the risk to me? Well, the risk to an individual is actually a little bit more than the risk to the whole population. And we have actually moved from being community-minded where we would all strap in together and make some sacrifice for the greater good to a very individual way of looking at life, which is what's, this, what's in it for me? And that is clouding the debate. So there are a few things. There are, there's the information, there is the sense of population versus individuality. And then there's another thing which we may or may not get into and that's how belief works in the brain because we're seeing a few strange results in that as well. But I'll just pause for a sec, Hurricane, and give you some airspace. No, no, thank you. And uh, listen, I mean, I've been literally watching this, this debate, you know, closely. And, um, I, and I, I, again, just, just my, my two cents here. I, yeah. What I've seen is that there's, there's a little bit of mistrust, you know, as the question asks, uh, in terms of, uh, to your point, I mean, the vaccines existed for a long time, and a lot of people... For example, the debate, they say, well, uh, measles and, and, and all the other ones, I don't, I cannot give them, I cannot still get them once I get the vaccine. And I think some of that is, is being spread out there as, as I guess, propaganda. And um, some, of, some people really believe that is the reality that, you know, this is a different vaccine. Uh, and there's a lot of strange discussions about uh, it's, it's, it's a fake vaccine. It's not working. It's going to do different things. You're going to glow in the dark. <laughs> we have all these other, you know, yeah. theories out there, yeah. which, which, which I think psychologically, I mean, they might be worth a discussion while people are thinking that way. Um, but, well, but yeah, yeah. 
So, 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 I mean, it, it's, it is, it is an interesting, and I think it's not going to stop anytime soon because you have that, then, then you have different governments. Uh, there's also the, the feel of the government, how people are uh, talking about, you know, how the government is dealing with it, which is also difficult because when you get into that government and discussion of politics, it gets even uh, tighter <laughs> and, yes, and, right. and more dangerous in, in terms of, of opinions. And, and I think that's the other part. I think it's been so political. Uh, overall, since the beginning yes. of the pandemic, that that it had literally created a divide, and there are people that I, I mean, I, I'm, a, well, you know, some some of these comments I've seen or like videos, people are literally like, you know, saying I don't care about you and and things like that. So things that you would not say in a normal world, and right. it, it 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 I the the effect is is just just tremendous. I think across yeah. all nations, and and this is just from parts of the world that, you know, that we, we observe in and TikTok stuff, but because TikTok is global, I, I've seen it in all different languages and it's the message almost consistent. And you have the different groups that, that either have one extreme opinion versus the other. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other part, I think that is uh, interesting is that in all topics, people respect each other's health. I mean, there's, there's this debate about HIV, you know, and, and we all know that's been over 40 years now. And, you know, it has been so protected in terms of information on HIV, who you can't go out there and tell someone who has it. Or not. And then all of a sudden you have a vaccine and you have everybody wants to know that you have it or not have it. Then it adds up in terms of, uh, I guess, economics, because now you have cities that that and even countries that that implemented vaccine cards, vaccine passport it infringes on, on um, I guess, liberties. Now that adds up to the other part. So it's all, you know, playing the psychology here. And, and, yeah. and I think the effect is just a, it's almost an avalanche of, <laughs> of effect. Well, it, it, it is. And uh, what I actually want to do is unpack some of that avalanche so we know what's going on in the brain with yeah. belief. Please, thank you. Uh, because it, it's really quite complex. Uh, so the first thing that I want to say, a lot of this has to do with trust. A belief and trust are closely related. So if you... Um, uh, believe that you lost your keys in the house, you will look for your keys in the house and that's having faith that you will find them. And then you trust that when you get your keys, they will actually uh, start your motor car. So, so there's a relationship with belief, which is in the brain, which goes through faith, which starts to um, uh, motivate your actions to trust, which has to do with uh, when you do actually do an action, right? And they're all connected. Okay, so trust in the brain is mediated by oxytocin. So oxytocin is the brain chemical that also mediates love. Love and trust are just the very things in our society which are going down. And so the problem is that when oxytocin starts going down, because you haven't had the love that you actually need on a day-to-day -day basis, you become less trusting. When you become less trusting, you show less love. When you show less love, you've got less oxytocin, which means less loving, less trusting, and you're in a vicious cycle. And all of society, Hurricane, are in this vicious cycle at the moment. And that I believe, there's that word, believe, uh, is one of the reasons why people will go onto social media and say, I don't care about you. So they actually are trusting less and are loving less because of the situation that we're in. So that's, that, that's one thing. We're in a downward spiral of trust. And somehow, and this show is part of it, we've got to get people's spiral of trust up again. Because as soon as you start loving another person, you trust them more, you get more oxytocin, which means you love a bit more and you're in an upward spiral, which is why we've got to be around people. And doctor, thank you for that because you mentioned this, This obviously the show is one of the purposes to give people that good advice and give them oh, yeah. something to, to really get them back into the right mode. But you know, it's funny because historically we've had tragedies all over the world right yeah. uh terror attacks and a lot of different things earthquakes yeah. and hurricanes i mean recently we just had a couple of hurricanes in the states yes and, and and sadly you know in those events and i've seen this in, in in real i mean in person where people come together in tragedy yes uh and they help each other support each other i mean the tremendous support i've seen in 9-11 i've seen it in, in sandy and katrina and all the stuff was you know big and all around the world earthquakes and and so on and so forth 
but then in this particular case, somehow that did not happen the, the same way. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll explain that, okay, because that's a very, very good point, Hurricane, because you're right. Whenever you have catastrophes that are local, and uh, we lived in a city that had terrible floods, people come together, strangers help each other out. That is natural in, uh, in humanity. So the question is, why isn't it happening, happening now? Well, the answer actually is, number one, it is. If you saw, uh, let's say, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City, uh, this time last year when New York was going through a terrible time, people were working together. People were, there were some people that were getting the sandwiches together, some people that were getting cups of tea, doctors that were helping each other out. It was beautiful. So why do we not feel that? Because the internet is not real life. Uh, all of a sudden, you, and I'm sorry to say this, Hurricane, sorry. are less human to me than if you were standing right in front of me. If you were standing right in front of me, we would work together and we would put in a plan to help each other out, help the neighbors around here, help people in the community. But through a screen, it's actually dehumanizing because, and again, I bring this to brain chemicals, we're not feeling the love. We're not feeling the oxytocin. What screen technology does is fill us all with dopamine, right? Which is the pleasure chemical. It feels good to watch things on YouTube, TikTok, or to put your own post up there. You get this feeling of, oh, that feels really good. But you don't get the oxytocin, hey, I am together with everybody that I am talking to. And unfortunately, this is what leads to cyberbullying, which leads to people saying things that they would never say to somebody's face. And it leads to this situation where we're actually, it sounds like we don't care for each other, but if we were actually all in one room, We'd start caring again, Hurricane. Doctor, it, it, it's so interesting that when you break it down to the chemicals in the brains and how they operate, and, and that's the reality of things. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's totally, you're right. I mean, obviously, the, the, the different, you know, uh, chemicals themselves have different reactions and or actions, right? Yes. And, and so you're right. I mean, when we're in a room, and that's the other thing, people also tend to be a lot more cautious if they're really in somebody in front of somebody they will not sometimes you know tend to state things that they probably would be more willing to say if nobody cares they don't know where i live nobody knows about me i got a fake account <laughs> you know that kind That's of right. thing so That's people right. can say whatever they want because they're they're all of a sudden brave enough but you're right yes. the fact is the different you know hormones i guess and, and and the chemical reactions that happen when you're in front of people with the energy level and all that stuff that's being exchanged is different yeah. that if it's not and by the way no offense taken i know it's not the same i i try to you know project the energy here but i know that oh, no, no, no. It's, it's great your energy is fantastic hurricane and and look at you hurricane you're a you're a buffed up guy you see so if i was in the same room with you <laughs> if i would if i would say something really offensive to you you could take a swing at me and no. so what happened no 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 i understand that but when we get together as people we sort of go oh there's another human being and i don't want to get hurt myself so i won't hurt other people and that's really protective because you see right now you're just on a screen right so you can't get at me no matter what i do to you and that makes me feel falsely invincible uh, which means that if if I start hacking into you with some words, doesn't matter what words I say, you can't actually touch me. And, and this is one of the disadvantages of social media. Uh, we don't respect each other and our each other's capacity to hurt each other. Because the science on this is actually clear. The more that we expose ourselves to each other, the more we get to like each other. But that doesn't happen on social media or through the internet. That, that is, I can, I can even go beyond that point in, I've seen this in groups um, online, uh, Facebook and in other places where people literally, they're hiding behind the screen and they, they get very like, you know, excited about making statements and cursing yeah. and, and, and stating stuff that normally if they would say that to your point in front of somebody, they would think three times before they say that because people will hurt them. And That's because right. they know they're untouchable at that point, and, and it That's gives right. them that sense, full sense, I guess, of power, yeah. and they exercise it the way they are. But it causes 
you know, an energy, uh, I, I would say not an energy, but a wave, uh, because some other people are very, very, I guess, gullible, and they, they'll take that information, you know, and, and it gets to them. And yeah, either right. it, it creates a bad false of, of, of information on, you know, for them, or even they start thinking along the same lines. So when you're watching a lot of the, and, and the other part that I've noticed is that it's the way the social media works. If you watch a video on social media, now it will feed you more of it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, so if you see positive, you're going to see a lot more positive. You see negative, it's somehow as soon as it captures that you've captured one or two videos that are on this line, That's it right. almost kind of like shoots the same, the same energy back at you. And only the videos that come up or the TikToks or any of the comments, uh, it's it's just the algorithms work that way. And and so you will really get flooded and and if you're weak, uh, mind, spirit, body, whatever, you will absorb that faster. And I think that's what causes, you know, the reactions and, and, and more of the divide. Or yes, if it was the other way, it would be obviously the positive, you know, end of yes. it. But, but it works both ways, unfortunately. Well, it does. And it, it actually works. And we've got studies to show it works more on the negative. Uh, our minds actually work more on the negative because we have more to learn from things that we do wrong. And... Uh, we need to survive this environment. So our brain is constantly telling us what not to do. And that, that's one of the key reasons that all of our brains are actually negative. You know, we talk about a lot of positive hype, but that's not actually what goes on in the brain. And the other thing is this feeds into our beliefs because uh, as you said, we are all in echo chambers where you watch one video and then you get fed the same ones. So you're getting a feeding of information on one line and beliefs are actually very malleable inside us. We like to think that they're strong, but they're actually not. They're very value, uh, malleable. And beliefs are not actually based on reason. They are based on our emotions. And that's poorly understood. We think that we're nice, rational beings, but we're actually rational and emotional beings. And sometimes, often, the emotions win out. And, and again, I mean, when you look at crime, you look at, you know, good and bad behavior, yeah. it's usually driven by emotions and, uh, you know, not really full thinking. I mean, most of the people that do bad things, they probably regret them at a point or another. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. But it just, you know, it doesn't compute right away. And oops, what did I just do? And that's usually a too late oops, you know, and then uh, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, it, I, doctor, I mean, those, those uh, insights that have been sharing right now, I mean, I think they're so valuable for folks watching. And uh, obviously this is going to replay on, on, on the, the, the video feed as well as the radio. Uh, you know, uh, I just hope that people can really take it, sink it in and, and, and absorb it because uh, and the more we understand how we work, find, you know, in the mind and how it all correlates to our reaction and how we behave, I think that's going to help us be hopefully better humans and better, you know, neighbors and, 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 and just people in society. So I just hope yeah. that always, this is the, the reason we're here is to just drive that, that the positivity and the motivation and the knowledge to help at least guide us, you know, somehow one way or the other, right? Well, well only one way, the good way. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And this is uh, one reason why I, I still want to un unpack why we're distrusting the science. Uh, and this has a lot to do with our, hyper-individualism, that we trust ourselves and we want things for ourselves and we don't want anybody to get in the way with what we want. Whereas decades ago, because we didn't have an internet, we actually had no choice but to trust the experts. And so when scientific papers came out, we would trust that the experts knew what they were doing. Whereas all of a sudden, uh, an epidemiologist, somebody who had a desk job uh, a couple of years ago, is now a celebrity, right? But we all think that we're epidemiologists because we read a few papers, whereas this is really complex stuff. And we try to distill really complex information into messages so that people can understand what's actually going on and how to behave. Now, in doing that, you lose a little bit along the way. You can't possibly uh, expect people in the street to understand what epidemiologists understand. But because there is less trust in society, 
we trust the epidemiologists less. And uh, by, by the way, Hurricane, I'm not just saying that we should blindly trust people, right? But their, uh, epidemiologists have their own way of keeping themselves to account. If there's, let's say, a rogue epidemiologist doing something strange, right? Um, a whole lot of other epidemiologists will let them know that that's what they're doing. And that's why consensus in the scientific community is actually a, a safety net to make sure that we as the general public do not get led astray too much. Because is there manipulation of information? Sure. sure. But the most manipulating thing is actually the internet because the internet is designed to feed off our emotions to keep us on the internet so that other people can make money out of us. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it is a fact and, and no one can deny it. I mean, you can think of something. I might, I might speak right now on something and Google will know exactly what I want and I'll get an ad right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, well, you know, uh, it's interesting. You're talking about the, the trust in, in the science, the, 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 the specialists, I would say. And I think what, what's, what I've noticed also, there are, there are some doctor groups, I would say, that, that are on both sides of the spectrum. Now, maybe there's lesser of one side than the other. Some are trusting the concept. Uh, there are messages that are coming in from you know, either pharma folks and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, they might have a grudge. They might have other reasons, yeah. but yeah. that's the thing. People are sta making statements and people are feeding off that. It's almost like, you know, that's right. uh, people are choosing what to feed off. And some people are choosing one side versus the other, which is always going to happen. I mean, people always side somewhere, right? Yeah. It just, it just where they wind up. I mean, uh, yeah. some people stay in the middle, trying to watch what's going on in the debate, but, but a lot of the, 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 the fact is that most of the majority is going to go one way or the other. And I think that's usually what happens. Um, yes. But but it is it is it is a current fact, and I think you know maybe you and I will be obviously watching this longer, and we'll probably have more discussions about this and where it, it, where where it is, and hopefully when it ends, uh, and and maybe there will be some more studies to give us uh, real insights as to the, what's happening. I mean, uh, there's there's again like there's so much uh, um, theory out there about bad things, uh, and, yes. and and I think <clears throat> what's, what it causes is fear, and. Like, for example, uh, you look at the VARS, right, you know, for all the adverse reactions, and uh, it is claimed that there has a certain amount of deaths from, from the vaccine and stuff. But again, there's deaths on both sides. And then there's the fact that, for example, well, you can still die with the vaccine. You can still yes. give, you know, the, 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 the disease, you know, if you're vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask. So people are like, well, why and why not? And I think that's the other part, because normally with old vaccines, even a flu shot, you do it, it works, and you're good for the season. Now, no one ever guaranteed a flu shot <laughs> before. And it's it's very clear that it doesn't cover all the flu strains. That's right. And That's right. and certainly it's only a, a certain capacity to certain populations, not everyone. So so we know yeah. that. And but but to your point earlier is that a lot of these vaccines were done a few centuries ago, or maybe like 60 yeah. plus years ago. And so uh, we've we've grown to be conditioned to them. We all had our vaccines since we we're yes. kids. We all have our shots until we're kids in high school, and then basically that's that's the or I think that's yeah. that's where it ends. Like you know, my kids are teenagers, so they just finished their shots. But but that's how we've been conditioned to it. So nobody questions those. But but because yes. this is to your point new, and the Google and the technology that we have and the internet is got more than just the scientists in there. So common yes. folks are actually part of the discussion and opinionated. And they yes. share that and, and it causes a little bit of a dilemma. It but. does, it does. So <clears throat> what I want to give is, uh, let's say there's an individual listening out there that sort of goes, oh no, what am I going to do in the midst of all of this? How am I going to make decisions? Excellent. So I, I want to give an individual like that a way through all of this. So firstly, I, I need to make a distinction between getting information and uh, getting shock value for your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, once you've got information on the vaccine, right? Uh, if you keep going over the same information, listening to other opinions and going over and over just for a little bit more information, you're not actually getting more information. You are falling into the trap of letting your emotions lead you down a rabbit hole that will lead you towards more fear and more emotions, but no more information. So 
and the information is really quite easy to get. And I'm talking about dissenting information as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm not here to tell people, follow the party line. Um, I, I believe that if you think for yourself that you will come to a reasonable uh, solution for you based on your situation where you are. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do is you look at the information that is being uh, brought to you by your government agency. So the Center for Disease Control, see what's on that website. See what's on the WHO website. So, so go to all the trusted sources first. And then you go, all right, can I trust these guys 100%? And we're all human. So the answer is going to be no. You can only trust them 96%, which is pretty damn good. So for your other 4%, look for some uh, uh, dissenting views and read them. Mm -hmm. And then once you've read them, you make a list of the pros and cons of getting a vaccine for you. So at the moment in Australia, we're in that precarious position where we don't have enough of the population vaccinated. Uh, COVID is starting to rip through the community. So we are vulnerable. In that situation, I looked up the information for the vaccination, the risks that I would have by having the vaccination and the risks that I would encounter were I to get COVID and I made the decision to get my shots. Mm -hmm. So I have been vaccinated and the people around me tend to be vaccinated because we look at the information and we make decisions based on scientific consensus. Now, I'm not saying the world's perfect. I, I am not saying that commercial interests do not influence things. Uh, when there is a scandal like there was last year in our top medical journal, The Lancet published a paper on hydrochloroquine and then <laughs> retracted it, okay? Uh, that means that a paper got through a whole scientific process and something went wrong. Now that is a major scandal. That's, that's kind of like a president having an affair, right? It needs to be investigated and you need to know why this happened, what went wrong, right? But the scientific community has things in place to make sure those things get talked about. And because this is new, information is always evolving. So in that, knowing that your information is never going to be 100%, you are going to have to tolerate some uncertainty. You're going to have to trust somebody along the line. And so the question is, who are you going to trust? And we all tend to trust our mum. We all tend to trust the people around us. And so quite seriously, I mean this quite seriously, ask your mum what you should do because she cares for you. And she's going to give you an emotive response based on the fact that she wants to see you alive. Uh, and these are not rational arguments. The information is rational, but then the emotional arguments are there for the decision based on what is going to keep you alive for the longest. But you have to stop listening to a whole lot of social media to be able to make that decision. And then once you've made the decision, don't get onto the social media again put it to rest. You've made your decision. You're moving forward. Don't even look it up anymore because there's so many more wonderful things to do in life. And that, that is true. And, you know, the world is going to continue hopefully for better and we're going to get through this. I mean, uh, no doubt. And uh, doctor, thank you for, for breaking it down, I guess, to, to all of us out here, you know, in the world uh, listening or watching uh, there is a way and you just broke it down to almost mathematical. You know, this is what you do. Look at the science, look at the fact, add more. And then you add the piece of emotion and people you trust. And then that's the end. That's really the, the formula to, to make a good sound informed uh, decision. That's, yeah. 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 And, and hurricane, we, we need to make good informed sound decisions at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning when we've got the information written in front of us. Not 11 o'clock on a Friday night when you've just had an argument with your partner and you're feeling bad. And so you go on the internet and you start looking up this stuff because it's going to be your emotions that are going to be wanting you to feel good. And instead, they'll make you feel more fearful. And, and we do know that better decisions are made 
when we invoke the rational, when we think about something and we actually sift through the decision-making process in a rational way. Thank you, Doctor, for that clarification. I think that's powerful because uh, because you're right. I mean, uh, I think timing is everything for everything, right? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, anything done under an emotional stress will probably give you the wrong, you know, decision making capabilities. So um, yeah. you always have to be in a good, cool, calm, and collected format, I guess, to to be rational. Um, but you know, uh, listen, most people think that they know what to do, but you know, uh, I think we all can use information and guidance and you know stuff you know that is powerful as, as such, such such as what you just mentioned now i think that is that is important for us to listen to and again at the end people will have to make their own call and decisions but but again listen do your research um and 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 limit you know the negative influence and, uh, and to your point i mean if you're going to listen to a lot of bad social media that's kind of just keep you know feeding you the wrong stuff and and it's not going to change it as you said it's not going to give you more information it's just going to keep you more emotional yeah, yeah, and and a and an, and a decision made on <clears throat> sorry a decision made on emotional basis tend not to be good. So so when I uh, when I admit somebody into hospital who's depressed and suicidal, uh, often there they're telling me right I'm going to quit my job, I'm leaving my relationship, and I'm going to move interstate. And I'm going hold it, hold it, hold it. This is not the best time to be making big decisions about your life. Write down what you want to do. And we will talk about it in a few weeks when you're feeling better, when you've got more information, when there are people who care around you uh, talking to you, and when your frontal lobe, your rational side of your brain is working a bit better. And we'll revisit those questions and we'll look at the pros and cons of each and we'll come to a more considered decision. And people go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so in a way, we all have to do that because it's when we're in an emotional state, we feel like making big decisions, but they're not, they're not the best decisions. So doctor, uh, just a brief moment, just, I wanted to just make a quick announcement. So folks, we are live and uh, please feel free to call us at 848-482-8052. And um, this is a monthly show and um, there's no bad question here. This is a good opportunity. If you have any questions, about mental health, you know, uh, and if you ever consider to ask a question, this is a good platform. You don't have to claim your name or, or who you are. You could just, you know, call us, you know, uh, and, and, and just ask the question. Uh, most of these questions I received uh, were just first name and, and location, but, you know, I think uh, they're beneficial to, to listen to. And, and Hurricane, it's funny. Hurricane. Yes, what's, sir. What's that, what's that phone number again? 848-482-8052. 848-482-8052. Eight zero five two. Eight zero five two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, well, it's actually on as as we're having the show. It's live. It's on the screen, so people okay, like, great. they can see it while we're on. Uh, again, you can call right now. We're, we still have a few minutes, and but I do have a few questions more. But it's funny because the question I have next from Nancy from North Carolina. Uh, it is literally tied to suicide. <laughs> okay. We just talked about suicidal thoughts. And, and the question is, um, it's more for kids, but it says, why do teenage uh, kids entertain suicidal thoughts more? Is that even a fact? I don't know, but, but that's the question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Nancy is right. Uh, what we're finding is younger children getting suicidal thoughts. And here's what's very interesting, particularly females. Uh, uh, in the USA and in Australia, the largest rise in suicide over the last 10 years has been in uh, females from the ages of 12 to 18. Uh, and that's a really worrying sign, Hurricane, because uh, the question is, what's happening in our society to drive something like that? And uh, this is just a theory, but it has to do with social media. Uh, where males tend towards physical aggression, uh, females tend towards relational aggression. And uh, what I mean by relational aggression is uh, talking about somebody, uh, excluding somebody from posts or uh, having a party and not inviting them and, and basically ganging up against another female. And unfortunately, I, I personally know of situations where this has led to somebody's suicide. 
because one of the worst feelings for all of us, Hurricane, is to be thrown out from the human herd. We, we all want to be part of it. We all want to feel that we're part of the human race, right? And yes. this is why solitary confinement in uh, prison is such a harsh penalty, because I would rather be with other prisoners and risk being beaten up than to be by myself with my thoughts, with no thought of return. So this is what's happening. And unfortunately, uh, again, this is only a theory, this is what's happening more and more to our young people as our young people spend more and more time on social media. They get caught up in chat rooms. They get caught up in um, areas where you have to think a certain way to be let in or a certain way is considered cool and a certain way is considered not acceptable. So all of those things that we're trying to negate in our society are actually getting stronger. And that unfortunately is why I believe younger people are having more suicide ideation. Wow. Thank you for clarifying that. And I hope that that answers Nancy's question. Uh, but I do want to add something um, to, because we're talking about, you know, uh, teenagers and, and the way yeah. they think, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, I mean, I, again, I'm going through teenage <laughs> kids myself and, yeah. and I notice, I mean, they're, that's a very tough age. And, and again, I, listen, we had to go through it to get to, to our age today, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if it, we're different or different, you know, I guess generation, yes. but, but, but I think you're right. I mean, social media, the, the, the internet has, has a different impact because we didn't grow it, grow up in, in the same format. We played with people, we hang out right. with people. It was a different type of access and we had very little, little information other than really book information and school information. So at least in my experience, and, and and I think the kids today they're very sensitive. Uh, there's so there's so much peer pressure, and 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 they just basically their reactions are different, uh, and and it all depends on again the upbringing and all the stuff. So I think that does uh, you know have a serious impact on how people you know operate here and especially at that age. Yes, that's right. And you have to look at what's different in the generations, and what's different is the rise of the internet, but particularly of smartphones. And look, I have been to conferences on youth and adolescent mental health, where we see a difference from 2007. Now, 2007 is the year that the smartphone was invented and the internet went from being uh, on a big screen or on a laptop like I have in front of me at the moment to something that people can carry around by themselves. And uh, uh, when I was 14, I had to ask my parents permission if I could make a phone call. They would ask me who I was calling, and then they'd say, keep it short, and they would be able to listen to every word that I said, right? Nowadays, if, if somebody has all of that on their hands, okay, there is so much privacy and so much negative privacy around who we talk to and what we access on the internet, and you actually see the graphs of how depression from 2007 in this age group has steadily risen since smartphone ownership has risen. And that is really worrying, Hurricane, because uh, it's not bad parenting. Uh, it's not something in the food, but it is the main difference and it is social media. And we have yet to face the right way of handling this. Because you also mentioned information. A 14-year-old has so much more information than we did as children. And that is one of the good things about the internet. It is unbelievable the information that I have at my fingertips, you have your, at your fingertips, and that is wonderful. But there's this side effect, and that is aggression based on relationships. And what we were talking about earlier on, that you can actually be aggressive to somebody on the internet and it doesn't feel like you're pushing a person. It feels like you're just tapping in a few characters and something abstract out there is reacting for your enjoyment. And that's a dangerous situation. And, and you, that you hit right on there. I mean, when you get some message that is irritating, right? I, you know, we all react as humans and, and, you know, a younger person probably react worse. And yeah. the other person is like, this is like a game, you know, I'm just having a cool time. 
But the, the psychological effect on the other side is really tremendous because that person is now under, you know, pressure and they feel in whatever words that they've been, you know, sent. And then that's the other thing, self-esteem and things. I do have a question about self-esteem, but I, I don't know if we're going to have time today to cover it. But sure. but but it's certainly, you know, something that that impacts, you know, uh, I guess the younger folks more than all. And, and I think it affects also, you know, older folks today, regardless of age. But in that age group, I think it's more dangerous because... Uh, as a parent personally, I mean, I still think that uh, there is, you almost cannot be the direct parent because there's more people involved in your <laughs> parenthood yes. here. Yes. Uh, yes. It's, you're not the only parent, you know, you're and, 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 and uh, your spouse. It's not that it's, there's more, everybody else is involved in, in real, your kids upbringing right now. And which is, you know, I'm not really happy about it because it's, it's, it kind of, it's dangerous because you you can feed one way, and no matter what you do, other people are feeding a different end. So you're always constantly fighting that 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 you know tide, and that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So so I'll I'll speak to that because again I want to leave people with practical things that they can put in place yeah, to work do. against this. So uh, let's say on the internet, if 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 you get a uh, derogatory comment based uh, for you, you as an adult male will still feel hurt because of that. Now imagine uh, you're 13 or 12 around the time when you're just shaping your identity, when you're just coming to grips with who you are and where you may belong in a world, your body's going through some really strange development and you're not sure of who you are and you get those sort of comments and because they're black and white in front of you, you actually get hurt a whole lot more by that. And, and that's why this is such a difficult age. Okay, so what can parents do? Uh, so the first thing to do is there has to be a time in the evening when internet usage stops. Uh, no internet and no iPhone in the bedroom, right? And I actually encourage a living room space where everybody does their social media stuff all together. So you can hear the conversation that your daughter's having or your son's having, they can hear the conversations that you're having. You can listen to whatever YouTube or TikTok videos you're listening to. And what this does is it encourages a sense of community without excluding social media and without excluding the internet. Uh, what you want to exclude is that privacy, those, those secrets. Now, the uh, objection that you're going to get from your teenage kids are, oh, mom, oh, dad, everybody else lets their kids do that. Uh, don't buy that argument because it's not actually true. There are a few kids that have those sort of privileges. Most parents are actually worried and trying to do something about it. So the thing to do then is to ring around all your um, uh, your children's friends, parents to say, okay, this is what we're doing. We're having common time between uh, seven and 8.30 every night. We're all on our devices. Uh, if we all do the same thing, then we can say, no, they're not because Sally's family are doing exactly the same thing or John's family are doing exactly the same thing. Because if you grew up in the sixties or the seventies, most families were doing exactly the same thing. Now we don't even know what other families are doing. We don't know what the routines are, but you can build a sense of community through parenting. Now I know this takes a lot of organization, but hey, the payoff for the kids is just great. Listen, that is powerful advice. And I, I, I hope that people watching, I mean, I certainly will try to implement, uh, but, but certainly I'm sure other people, and, and I know it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be a debate. No, no, no it's hard, it's hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, luckily, I mean, my kids have limited, you know, I guess direct friends or close friends and uh, we can certainly talk to their parents and maybe there's, that's a strategy we can play with, but, yeah. but you, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's, there's more, I mean, there's, I like, sometimes I watch TV and I, I watch these movies and, and whenever there's a teenager in a movie, one of the, the main themes that I've seen in the last decade plus is that, there's always that reaction of privacy, close my door, do not come to my room. You know, yeah. you, you can't tell me what to do. Uh, so yeah. so there is, besides just internet, I think also in the media, in the movie industry, there has been a big uh, focus. If you look at movies in the 60s, you know, 70s, 80s, and moving on into the current years, you know, you'll see a change in, in the way the teenagers were portrayed in the movies and how they behaved. 
and I think that correlates exactly to today's reaction and, and, and how the teenage, you know, community works today. So it's a challenge. I mean, I think across everybody and, and uh, even culturally, you know, you believe in a particular thing, you want to teach them a certain way and you can't because everybody else, again, is, is teaching the culture and the religion and everything else. It's a tough world. It is a tough world. And, uh, one of the mistakes, quite frankly, that we all make is that we accept what's going on today as the norm, right? And I'm going to finish off with a little story here. Uh, after I did a lecture, uh, this, this woman who was in her 40s raced up to me uh, and I was saying something about getting childhood routines and how uh, the most boring things actually become uh, really important. And she said, look, I just want to let you know, I grew up in a Jewish family. And every Friday night, my parents made me do Shabbat. I had to stay at home when others were going to um, the movies. I wasn't allowed this. I wasn't allowed that. And I was grumpy and I hated it. And then she said to me, now I realize that was the best time of my life. And I am teaching my children now that they have to do Shabbat every Friday night. They are going to be with family. They're going to hold hands. They're going to say prayers. They're going to eat a meal together. And if they say that they hated it, I'll say, so did I. But you don't know it. This is the best time of your life. Because you know what, Hurricane? That's the best time of life. Well, I, I tend to agree to that, that, that policy. And you're right. I mean, we all look back and... I do this exercise myself and I tell that to my kids that when we go back to, to when I was a younger kid, right. And, uh, and uh, you know, there was some, some things, I mean, you know, it was a little, my, my parents were tough with me and uh, I wasn't a bad kid, but, but still, you know, you can argue in school, you can do things, you had to do things the way you had a curfew, all the things. Right. And while, while at the time it was like, Oh my God, but the more you think about it, as you grow up, you realize that it was all in good, you know, faith is good, you know, intent. And it did turn me a better person. So, yes. so if we look at that, you know, from that angle, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately kids don't realize, you know, that because they're still in that age, but in time they realize like, Oh man, you know, now I know what my parents were doing. I, I could certainly say that and I have no regrets. I love my parents for everything they did. You know, and I wouldn't even hold them against anything, you know. Uh, so, so other than just the fact that they did a good job, you know, at least in my word, <laughs> in the way yeah. I think about it. Yeah. But, but, but that's, that's really what it is. And again, thank you for, for really uh, giving that, that, that example and that story because that is powerful. And uh, people, doesn't matter what religion, what culture, I think, right. uh, you know, you do it your way. Uh, that's but right. it, will, it will be a good time and a, a good opportunity to teach the kids a better way to, to, to behave and certainly will give them a nicer uh, outlook as they, they age and themselves will have their own kids and they know how to deal with it. Because <laughs> they will go that's through right. the same thing, if not worse. That's right. And, and I want to encapsulate that because when it comes to happiness, we confuse pleasure with contentment. And so the thing is, you can have your short-term pleasure, but don't let it get in the way of long-term contentment. So you may enjoy a roller coaster ride, but if you had to go on a roller coaster ride every hour of every day for a month, uh, you would not be a content person. An occasional roller coaster ride in the midst of a lot of family-led contentment and contentment with friends is the way to have happiness in life. Long-term contentment, then the short-term pleasure. Doctor, thank you for that. And, and I know we've, we've, we've got a little bit over our time frame for the day. Uh, so I appreciate you know, all the extra time here. And folks, um, if you watch, when you're watching this and you're listening and as you're watching now, know that this is a, a monthly uh, show. So please feel free to send in your questions. Um, you know, the uh, email will be in the description of the show. This will be broadcasted. You know, it's broadcasting live and it will rebroadcast live again uh, on the radio and, and the channel, YouTube and all the, the social media. So please feel free to, to join us uh, in the next one. It will, we'll be back the, the end of the, the month and every end of the month, unless it's a holiday or something, but we'll make sure we have a deferred date. But, you know, Dr. Haim is, 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 is always, uh, you know, looking to bring in some value to, to folks all around the world. And uh, we're, we're really getting the real thing here from uh, a world 
uh, famous <laughs> pro, you know, doctor that specializes in, 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 in real uh, stuff that handles, you know, uh, that, that deals with our society and our issues and, and can help us be uh, better, live better and happier. Uh, that being said, thank you for watching today. Um, uh, it's been always a pleasure. And uh, doctor, thank you for the time and for being with us for all the good stuff uh folks thank you for watching uh we'll talk soon different show different topic and different guest bye now ciao, ciao.